I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I know this may come as something of a surprise to you, but the church, our church, is not known for moving rapidly. We can take years to decide whether a doctrine is true. We don't move quickly to change the way we do things, whether that's the language we use in worship or who we allow to take communion or get married. Mainly, that's a good thing. The church, after all, is meant to convey the truth of God, not be blown about by the whims of culture. So change is no small thing. And yet, and yet we must wrestle with our beliefs, must prod what we think we know, being willing to change when it becomes clear that we are wrong, when in fact we believe the Holy Spirit herself is showing us something new. This debate between two impulses in the church, the desire to protect tradition and the desire to be open to change, is beautifully captured in the film The Two Popes about the relationship between Pope Benedict and Pope Francis before the first retires from the papacy and the second ascends to it. The film imagines many conversations between these two brilliant, faithful, different men who have devoted their lives to God, the church, and her people. In an early interview set in the gardens at Gandolfo Castle, the papal summer residence, the two discuss past decisions of Pope Francis, still merely Cardinal Bergoglio. Pope Benedict tries to get at the differences between them by bringing up how they used to be alike. When you were a leader of the Jesuits in Argentina, he says, you had all the books on Marxism removed from the library. Bergoglio quickly replies, yes, and I made seminarians wear cassocks all day, even when they were working in the vegetable gardens. And I called civil marriage for homosexuals the devil's plan. Pope Benedict murmurs, you are not unlike me. Bergoglio replies, I changed. Pope Benedict spits out, no, you compromised. Exasperated, Bergoglio says, no, I changed. It is a different thing. But according to Benedict, change is compromise, and he is adamant that God does not change. Bergoglio counters that God does change. God moves towards us, and we find him on the journey with us. I could go on, for it is a deep and thoughtful movie. I commend it to you. It gracefully captures our faith and how we struggle with it wrestling with God and what we believe and how faith is both the upholding of tradition and timeless truths while remaining open to God, revealing himself in new and surprising ways. 
And certainly, certainly John the Baptist is forced to change his mind. Five weeks ago, on the second Sunday of Advent, we heard John the Baptist's description of the coming Messiah. He warned people to repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. People from all over stream out to the River Jordan for John's baptism of repentance, even the religious leaders, and he warns them of the wrath to come that they are to bear fruit worthy of repentance, that the ax is lying at the root of the tree, and that one more powerful than he is is coming soon to baptize with fire and the Holy Spirit. He's coming with his winnowing fork to separate wheat from chaff. John knows his prophets. He knows all the scriptural warnings of a God who will judge us when we've gone astray, when we've fallen away from putting God first, forgotten justice, forgotten caring for the poor, the widow, the stranger, when we've allowed idols to take the place of God. John is trying to warn and protect, and rightly so. He wants people to change their ways so they will not be crushed in the judgment of God, the coming Messiah. He baptizes people as fast as he can so that they might show true repentance, be cleansed to start new life. Into this scene, into this scene walks Jesus, the one whom John has been waiting for, warning of, the one whom John the Baptist has said will carry a winnowing fork to separate, to judge. That one, that one comes to John and asks to be baptized. That one, Jesus, humbles himself, asking to join himself to all those who have come out to be baptized for repentance. The one about whom John has said he is not worthy to untie the thongs of his sandals has come to allow John to lead him into the Jordan River, place his hands on his back and on his head as he leans him into the water, plunging him under as a sign of a changed life. This doesn't fit anything that John thinks he knows about the Messiah. It doesn't match what he's been preaching about the Messiah. So John protests, I need to be baptized by you, yet you come to me? Suddenly, John the Baptist has to see everything anew. He thought he knew who Jesus was. He devoted his life to preaching about his coming, and then he finds he must change his mind. In this season of Epiphany, which is all about revealing who Jesus the Messiah is, we find John the Baptist learning that he has to revise his expectations. He's gotten it wrong. For when the Messiah comes, he doesn't judge us. Instead, he joins us.
Jesus joins us in a baptism of repentance that he surely did not need, but in doing so, Jesus reveals that he will enter fully into the mess, the disorder, the sinfulness of our human lives. He does not despise us in our sinfulness. He does not hold himself separate from us. Jesus tells John that he must be baptized to fulfill all righteousness. Another way to understand that is to say something like, God has been working for generations to put things right and that all comes to fulfillment in this moment in my baptism. For in that moment, Jesus in his first public moment as an adult makes clear that God chooses a surprising way to overcome our sin, which is by taking it on, by joining us. This is all confirmed by the arrival of the Holy Spirit and God speaking. This is my son, beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Yes, this is the Messiah, but he's not what John the Baptist expected, and isn't that wonderful? Expect a warrior coming to defeat enemies and instead get a peasant walking down the path. Expect a judge who separates us into two bins, wheat here, chaff there, instead Get a man who doesn't divide, but unites by joining us. Expect someone mighty whose sandal we're not worthy to touch, and we get a servant who kneels down to wash our feet. Suddenly we find that what we thought we knew about God must change. While we know that God is all-knowing, all-powerful, glorious in majesty, worthy of honor and praise, and yes, fear, we also find that our God is humble. Our God is humble, joining us in our littleness. Our God will not overwhelm us, but will slip into the water next to us. If we allow God to surprise us, to change our minds, to see the humility of God, that God is on the journey with us, well, I think that allows us, too, to be surprising and humble. For while it is true that we are beset by sin, it is also true that we have a humble, merciful God eager to forgive. And if that's all true, well, then we're free. We're free, free from fear, free from shame, free from the need to impress others or to justify or prove ourselves. We're free to stop trying to win at anything. And that means that we too are free to enter into the mess of one another's lives without fear, for we have been freed by Christ. We are free to be humble. We're free to admit when we're wrong, to ask for help, to ask for forgiveness. 
Need I point out that Cardinal Bergoglio, now Pope Francis, shows forth this freedom. He who consistently visits with and speaks for those who society would condemn, keep out, ignore. Prisoners, refugees, the gravely ill, the disabled, the homeless, our own endangered earth. He shows forth this freedom and humility by asking for forgiveness when he's wrong, as he did recently, publicly. That is a model of freedom and humility. But if we believe that our Lord Jesus came to us in humility, willing to join us, if we believe that God sees us as we are, sinners all, and still wants to be with us, freely forgiving and loving us, well then, we are truly free too. It's not easy to change our minds, friends, but it's no compromise to see Jesus not as the one who comes with fire and fury, but one who comes in humility and love. As we renew our baptismal vows today, let us too come in humility and hope, confident that the one we prepare to meet one day as judge comes to us first in love. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.